Alrighty, welcome to the My Age Podcast, a podcast that brings you conversations with people from all walks of life, using music to plot a course from their early years to how they got to where they are now. First off, thank you very much for checking it out. If you're a first-time listener, hey Holden, go back, check out some other episodes. There's, I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff in there you'll dig. And if you're a long-term listener, thank you very much for kind of repeat offending, I guess would be the best way to put it. Uh, before we get the ball rolling, just want to let you know that the My Age Podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Uh, if you go to podbelly.com, there's a whole bunch of really cool info on how to get your, I guess, you know, if you've got an idea for a podcast, how to get it from your mouth to the listener's ear holes, I guess. Um, what mics to use, how to get it online, uh, you know, best ways and practices, all that kind of cool shit. Uh, there's also a whole bunch of really cool podcasts hosted there, one of them being mine. So, you know, if you're into this, I'm sure there's something else you'll be into over there. Uh, today's episode is always brought to you by Gringo Bandito Hot Sauce. You know, you know how you, th- you think you know the, what the world's best hot sauce is? It's Gringo Bandito. And if you if you disagree, then I don't know. I guess you're just scientifically wrong. So that's that's a that's a thing. Um, if you go to if you're in Australia and you go to blastoffimports or one word dot com blastoffimports dot com, you can get twenty five percent off the whole range of Gringo Bandito hot sauces. There's the spicy yellow, the super hot, the uh, the green and the red, the original, the OG red, uh, all 25% off at the moment, going through September, the month of September. Also, if you're looking for a really cool mask in these COVID times and you're in Australia, go to mask, maskjeeves.com, M-A-S-K-J-E-E-V-E-S.com, uh, or find them on the socials. It's a really, really cool design mask made fresh out of Melbourne town. Um, 20 bucks a pop, 50 bucks for three with free shipping. Fantastic quality stuff. So yeah, you can go check that out. And last but definitely not least, we've got a uh, some new music. A band called Rot from uh, Tw- Twin Cities in the USA have reached out. They've got a new LP out that's just come out called As One on War Against Records. It's a really, really rad band. Uh, if you're into Comeback Kid or Stick to Your Guns, you'll get a fucking huge kick out of this. And we'll, I guess let's let's pick a song. We'll go with this. We'll go with this single, which is called Spirit. Um, if you dig it. You know, you can find them on the, all the socials. <clears throat> Probably head over to War Against Records, and then you can f- click the links. They're on the Spotify's. They're on the uh, all the all the streaming services that you'd you'd be using. Plus, you can buy physical copies, which is always a fantastic thing to do to support the cause. Anyhow, um, episode fifty-five, Lindsay McDougall, friends with Rom. Let's get into it. Check out Rot, and then let's do the episode. Cool.
Hey, My Age Podcast. With me on the line, I've got someone that I've been looking up to for as long as I can remember being into punk rock. Um, guitarist from Friends of Rome, substitute guitarist from Me First and Gimme Gimme's. Um, fuck, what else do you do? The the self the self righteous brothers um, and just all around fucking fantastic human Lindsay McDougal. How you doing, mate? Good, good, good. I'm um, I'm very glad. As I mentioned before we hit record, I'm very yeah. glad to have have to be able to have a chat with you. And you know, for you we've, to we've been trying for a while, but yes. things keep happening. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Just other cooler yeah. things, which is fine. Like, I get that. That's, That's fine. All good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Other American <laughs> podcasts who try to one-up your stories and that kind of thing. Yeah, oh, they got, all, they got all – no, that was all the rubbish. I got all the rubbish out of the oh. way so I could save the gold for you. Good. That's – thank you. And I appreciate that. So I'm tipping my hat to you. Good, good. So, yes. Cool. So you get the general gist of how this all goes. Um, let's talk about your parents kind of their mm. – like – I, I know you guys because I know your brothers and we my, your yeah. brothers' bands and uh, my first band played shows together a lot in the Shire. Do, yeah, do right. your parents always grow up in the Shire or? No, no, they're from everywhere. They're from okay. everywhere. My uh, my dad grew up in North Queensland, he <clears throat> in Townsville and Charters Towers and uh, Mount Isa, and uh, this is like so he. Uh, this is something that we found out. This is actually an excellent way to start a podcast. Fantastic. I, I found out when I was 12 that I had three older sisters. Boom, boom, boom. Wow. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I was 12. My brothers were uh, were nine, I guess. And, yep. uh, yeah, and we found out because we were at um, our mum's house, which then was just our holiday house because we're middle class, yep. and, uh, <laughs> and in, in Colcliffe. Um, this is how, in my memory, we found out because uh, one of my sisters turned up, <laughs> and, and surprise! I, I feel that I've I've edited and curated this memory a little bit, but in my mind, my sister Peter turned up with uh, on crutches from memory as well, <laughs> and uh, and 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 also acid. But I think I've I've conflated a bunch of different memories. So basically, my so, da- so before you go on, so I know Colcliff kind of well. We had yep. a family friend who lived next to the I guess it's the pub that overlooked Colcliff. He referred mm-hmm. to himself as the mayor of Colcliff, and um. I don't know how you'd get there via public transport, but with two <laughs> abled legs, let alone on crutches. Exactly. Yeah. I, I once again, I'm sure these memories are all being kind of conflated, but right. I, I definitely have memories of Peter when I was very young, being at uh, yeah, at that house in Colcliffe. And right. so, what our parents hadn't told us kids was that um, my dad uh, was in a previous marriage, which is nothing okay. unusual about that. He had three kids in Brisbane. He was living at the time. And uh, and he had to. It was the the, the whole sort of thing. You know, possibly, possibly not the ha- most happiest marriage in the world. Basically, he had to move for work to New South Wales, and that was the last straw for his wife. Who then, right. my dad came home to an empty house. His oh. three his three daughters and his wife gone, packed up, and it's so so messed up. So and they were gone and. He uh, uh, he had to go to, to New South Wales to, to, to work. He had no idea. No one would tell him where they were. He then started looking, obviously, spending all of his spare time looking. And his wife's brother, who happened to be a guy who, to sort of put it vaguely, 
would do the dirty deeds for the cops in Queensland. This is in the 70s. In a time when dirty deeds were happening thick and fast. They were happening thick and fast (laughs) all over Queensland as the courtesy of the the Premier of the time. He, um, this guy told my dad to stop looking for his kids and not come back to Queensland. So um, essentially that's what happened and that's pretty rad. Like that's pretty... Fucking sorry, I feel weird swearing into a microphone. Even That's though fine. I know this is a podcast. Get it all out of your system, mate. Get it all out. It's so system. fucking weird. It's no, I just mean because I do radio. It feels weird to swear into a microphone. But, yeah. Um, the, and and it's such a and, and um, basically he didn't see them and they didn't know. Their dad, dad eventually found them, was sending them presents which they never got. The mum wouldn't give them to him. Basically, he said that your dad doesn't exist anymore. Um, and it was when I was twelve. So my youngest sister is probably about. 18 by that stage, Peter, tracked us down and found us. And what could have been and was, was for my my dad and and I guess and my mum as well, this horrible secret and this terrible thing that they obviously knew they were going to tell us at some point, um, then they they ended up being, for us, for me and my brothers, fucking awesome because we suddenly had these three sisters who were, you know, I was 12, my sister was 18. She was the coolest person in my life. Yeah. And then there was, she had enough, then we met Andre, my middle sister who's since died, and then Susan, my oldest sister. And it's like, and then they had kids as well and so we were kind of, we just had this whole new family which was, um, which was absolutely fucking rad. So it's a, a very, so uh, a very strange um, introduction as someone who was, you know, hitting puberty, about to become a teenager, that yeah. the world is not the way you think it is. No. It's, yeah. So <laughs> This little fucking Engadine, subtle and shy enclave of perfection is not, you know, there's more to the world than that. I'm going to edit this part out, but mm. it conf- when you said to me the other day you were putting something together for your dad, yes. for his kids and grandkids, I was like, mm. um, <laughs> unless there's something I've missed out on here, like Andy and yeah. Ga- you, Andy and Gav, don't have kids. So I was mm. like, I wonder where the grandkids have come from. And that now explains it. That's it. That's it. Three yeah. sisters, yeah. Yes. So three sisters. Sadly, Andre, my, my middle sister, uh, she died of um, emphysema essentially. She was a cigarette smoker. Um, uh, but the but And that sucks. But there are some pretty funny things that come out of the fact that we got these three older sisters, um, including my dad's name's Peter and his yep. dad's name's Peter, so okay. my grandfather on his side's Peter, and my younger sister is named Peter. It's Peter as well, yeah. And it was because they had uh, one kid, they had a girl named her Susan, second kid named her Andre, third kid, and dad's like, essentially, fuck it, we're keeping it going, your, na- your name's Peter. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> Which kind of explains why, the fir- why he has his next family where he has three boys in a row with my mum and he gives me a, essentially a girl's name. So it's a... Um, That's the evening of the scales, the balance of the is, scales. It is. It is the cosmic scales, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So that's where my dad's from. Yep. <laughs> and my mum's from like, I don't know, Adelaide, Perth, the Sutherland Shire, mostly the Sutherland Shire. She, uh, she, she was, she was kind of young, I think, when she was what? My dad was 43 when he had me and mum was 31. Yeah, I guess. But mum's kind of – mum's in this weird she, – she sort of came from a very conservative side of the world, of the family and from the Sutherland Shire. She yep. missed – she's exactly the right age but she missed the Beatles. Oh, wow. Like she was she was the right age to be screaming at the airport when they came to Australia but she didn't She didn't go there. The, uh, the only band – like I knew mum was into Rod Stewart because he, she had like Rod Stewart tapes but I think she just liked him, his tartan yep. pants. 
and um, and dad being heaps older, like uh, my my dad's birthday was the other week, and he turned eighty five, yep. so he's old. Like I'm forty two, he's he's forty three years older than me. So he was into his favorite band. His favorite duo was Gilbert and Sullivan. <laughs> it's okay. all about musicals and stuff. But but the song. This is, well, let's get to the song now because we've got to get to a song. We've got to give people a, a, a lovely little tune. So this all happened, and it's perfect timing that we do the podcast now, and not the other times we tried to do it because yep. we had a um, a a. Um, Zoom video conferencing birthday party for my dad. Yes, with heaps of people. With uh, yeah, my, my, my one of my sisters was there, and uh, two uh, one of my sister's daughter. So that what's that? It's my 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 niece, niece and yes. uh, and another niece as well. My my other sister's um, daughter. So uh, and heaps of other people. My brothers were there as every heaps of people at this um at this Zoom birthday party. Um, and so mum got us all to sing songs and so we were like singing songs for dad and we were doing a bit of Eric Bogle because Eric Bogle was the first band that uh, first that my dad took me to go watch. He took me to go see Eric Bogle and Kev Carmody. Okay. Um, that was pretty rad at the Bankstown Businessmen's Club. Right, pretty yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, the uh, – in fact, I probably could have chosen a cool Kev Carmody track and got some sweet, um, you know, not choosing a white male points. But um, <laughs> the uh, – but and we played like um, – my dad used to walk into the um, kitchen with this old guitar that no one knew how to play in the house because before we'd all learned guitar and he doesn't play guitar. Just sort of strum it a couple of times open and yep. sing um, Peter, Paul and Mary's Lemon Tree song. Lemon tree, oh, so pretty and the lemon flower. Is sweet, but the juice of the poor lemon is impossible to eat. And that would have been that's that was like he used to just sing that, and it was a funny thing that dad did that dad used to do, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, being that he has no, we had no, there was no musical skills in the family, but um, my mum, uh, at the birthday at this Zoom birthday thing, sitting in her house in Colcliffe sang and she wanted us to, to, to do some Johnny O'Keefe and some Cold Joy and stuff and we didn't know any of these songs. But my mum just starts singing this song, Bye Bye Baby by Cold Joy, just by herself, a cappella. My mum doesn't sing at this birthday party and I was like, that was like really fucking cute. I gotta get a goon, bye bye, bye baby, goodbye. See you in the morning at a break of day. Just a little kiss and I'll be on my way. Bye bye, bye bye, bye bye, baby, goodbye. I get so Break my heart. Bye 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 my baby goodbye. I gotta get a going bye 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 baby goodbye. See you in the morning and a break of day. Just a little kiss and I'll be on my way. I gotta get a going, bye bye, 
goodbye, baby, goodbye. I'll see you in the morning at the break of day. Just a little kiss and I'll be on my way. Bye, 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 baby, goodbye. It was really awesome. And like my my mum and my dad haven't been together for like, you know, 20 whatever years, 25 years, but or more, but they're still good mates. And um in sort of a yeah, like obviously, yeah. So that was that was pretty cool. So that was that was why I chose Cold Joy's Bye Bye Baby as uh as my parents track. Dude, that's amazing. That's fucking yeah. amazing. It's <laughs> pretty did, ridiculous. Would you, you how like was it premeditated? Did she get in lessons or? No, no, no. She wanted us to do it, but yeah. my mum is kind of of the like, well, if you're not going to like, because we were talk. There's a lot of talk, but mum wanted to get the songs. She she had this idea for the for the birthday party. She wanted us to do the songs. Yep. So she was like, well, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to sing it. <laughs> so she sang it. There's even like I. She wanted me to do um, uh, some other song. Oh, I can't remember what it was, and I was I started to play it, um, and um, oh, I can. I was playing it. What song was it? I can picture it on the guitar. Um, but uh, but then she couldn't hear me well enough, so she just started singing it. <laughs> so oh, she fantastic. Was like, I'm run, she was like, I'm running this birthday party. <laughs> so, yeah, it was pretty funny. But, it's, yeah, it's, it was pretty – it's quite nice to see because uh, they've still they've still got a lot of love between them, you know, which is yeah. not always the case. Yep. No, it's good they can be amicable, you know. Fully, and make, fully. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So were you – you were born more like you grew up kind of more Wollongong in your early years, or did you, were you always in Gadine? Always in Gadine. We'd go okay. to Wollongong and we'd go to we go to the Warrawong Cinema and stuff. I think we because Mum. Well, when I, we were teenagers, Mum moved out and moved to Coalcliffe, and even right, before that, okay. and that we had sense. and we had we had Coalcliffe as our holiday house. So yep. we yeah, so we would come down here a bit and go to Thrull. Back when Anita's Theatre was the uh, roller skating rink, rink wow. not the um, <laughs> not the theatre, and um, a few other yeah. So that was I think yeah. I, I honestly though I hadn't really thought of Wollongong very much until I met Jen again, and then I was like, oh now now I love Wollongong. Yeah, so makes and, sense. and it's yeah, and it's a good place to be, as I'm sure we've talked about. Being outside of the city yeah. is a good place to be, but never too far from it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can get yeah. there on a train. Yep, nice and easy. Steal, mm. s- steal some riders and then fuck off home. Exactly. <laughs> yes, and sit on a sit on a train with bros. With bros, yeah. as I as I did after last time I saw you. That's unreal. Sick. So, like, I guess were you always? Were you, you said your parents weren't musical. Like, no, but, you know, but they got us. They got us into musicals quite funnily. They, okay. So, yeah. So they. Yeah. As I said, dad's dad was into Gilbert and Sullivan. They didn't. There was no. Yeah. I. I don't remember there being too much music in our house. Yeah. Except Any I remember seeing. Uh, the broken guitar. That was it. Just that. that. Was, that was, okay. Yeah. Like as in like a, a crummy old guitar. Yeah. There was nothing yeah. else. Um, I mum got me get, got me piano lessons when I was really young, like you know, sort of tenish or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that, but that was just because you know I obviously had lots of annoying energy and they had to do something with it. Had to but, burn it off somehow, yeah. Yeah, and then my yeah, and and um, I think because my brothers were twins, um, they sort of you know they did some of that. Like um, my parents got them into like got into advertising and stuff, and so I wanted to do that as well. And so as a result, we kind of got into the theatre world, and that's when we started doing musicals. But my my parents did do that as well. They were both in like Oliver with us and stuff like that. 
So you you were doing musicals from a young age? Oh, yeah, from about 11 or 12, yeah, so actually not that young. My brothers okay. were younger. But yeah, yeah, I was I was the artful dodger in Oliver. Wow. And, um, yeah, it's it's uh, in fact my voice broke as I like I feel like it broke after I got the role, so instead of consider yourself, it was yeah. like consider yourself. <laughs> it's like awkward, awkward um, you know, half deep, Pub- half whatever. Pubescent if I, if, male. Yeah. if I had a girlfriend, she'd kill me kind of yes. voice. Yeah. But um <laughs> Yeah, but uh, it was yeah. So so that but that was like seriously, you know, I I probably copped a few punches for being involved in musicals, but it was the best. It was because you hung because otherwise I wouldn't talk to girls. <laughs> so I'm in I'm in yeah. musicals. So suddenly I can talk to girls. Mate, I can like, dance with girls. I I used to when I was in high school, and not to be that American that one ups you, but like <laughs> just as a, you know a parallel. Yeah, like mm. I used to. Um, I was in probably three musicals in high school. Mm. And like I just did because of like the concept of playing with, you know, singing with people and doing all that jazz and that yeah. kind of thing. Um, but yeah, like it, you know, I went to an all boys school, the all girls schools across the road. You, mm-hmm. It forced you to interact. Like it forced yeah. you to meet a girl and like she may have been way cuter or whatever, but you had to talk to her because it, you're there for the common cause. <laughs> it's in the yeah. script. <laughs> you grew up Catholic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my dad, my, except it wasn't like I always thought my my dad was very religious, and my mum ended up being more sort of a spiritual kind of person. But my dad just when they moved to Engadine, which is when they sort of got married and chose a place to live, sort of that worked for both of them. They yeah. wanted to take us, send us to this school, and it was a Catholic school, so they went Catholic. And now my dad teaches Catholic scripture, and they were so into it. Like my dad went fully into it. And, um, yeah, so it was like I thought, always thought it was just a thing that he always had, but it wasn't. It was kind of weird. Wow. That's like a religion of convenience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, might be skipping further ahead, but kind of do you remember the time that you – do you remember the kind of moment that you went, this isn't for me anymore? <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't probably till – it was probably around about the time I joined Friends All Rom. It's pretty oh, right. Okay. Well, like I was probably 18, yeah. Well, because – um, yeah, I was like in Catholic school until, you know, until I left, until uh, the year before I joined Friends or like the end yeah. of the year before, so only a few months before. I think like I think at that point I was like I think, you know, it's kind of like you know Santa Claus doesn't exist. Sorry if kids are listening to this. But you just want to uh, <clears throat> but you just keep it going. I put a content you want to, warning at the start yeah, of it. Just, exactly. Yeah. 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 But you want to keep it going because you want the yeah you want and and because you don't want to uh, you don't want to upset the the, the 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 apple cart with all the free yeah. apples you get every Christmas. Indeed. And so I think yeah so I think I was still hanging out with people and I, you know the people I was hanging out with were all from the same school so you just sort of kind of just went along with it and then it wasn't like a big uh, cathartic or you know moment of like oh my god it's all a lie it was more just like. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, yeah. let's go and do this. You know, let's let's <laughs> let's let's spend less time uh, going getting uh, going to church on Sunday mornings. Yeah, yeah. Free up. Yeah, free up. Get a couple more hours back on Sunday mornings. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, music musicals. Um, mm. What was that kind of? Was it the singing part that kind of, or the being on stage, or was, what was it that kind of drew you to that? Yeah, it was definitely getting to jump around on stage yeah. and. And 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 because the, I, I, obviously you, a character like the artful dodger is just a base. Basically, you just sort of you know ladding around on stage, fucking you know trying to act cool or whatever, and as yep. cool as you can in that world. But um, I I was I, 
because I'd learned piano and I kind of, you know, I was learning guitar around that stage, that t- t- stage of my life as well, like around 14 I started learning guitar. But I, I was always into the kind of, and it's, sounds so fucking soulless but the science and the mathematics of music and stuff and so all different sorts of music I just was like oh yeah I I can work out how to sing this song because I know where the notes go and stuff and um, you know even though singing is not really my strong suit but I I can see where the notes are and stuff and and so it didn't seem to matter what sort of music I was doing because at sort of vaguely concurrently I was playing Guns N' Roses songs at lunchtime and and and, yeah and also singing the uh the music of uh of you know the the charleston from the boyfriend uh, at rehearsals you know and it all kind of felt you know it's all kind of to me the same because you just you know you're just getting out there and putting on a show but also just playing singing playing music so what made you gravitate to guitar then like was it yeah that was it like you know your parents kind of wanted you to keep doing an instrument and piano wasn't cutting it or it was we everyone in, at at St John Bosco. So this is the school that I was at until year ten. Yeah. Uh, in year nine, the first term of, of school was uh, was everyone learnt guitar. That was just yep. what you did. You got a crappy old nylon string guitar, and everyone yep. learnt "Skip to My Lou" yep. and all of those kind of songs. And um, and I'd already been learning piano for a few years. This is like fourteen. So I've been playing piano for two years or, or more or whatever. And um, but not like not heaps. I'd had like I had I had private lessons, but not not heaps of them. Um, enough to learn. Like I remember, I, I got to the, I got to chords, and then I worked out how chords worked on on a stave, and I could from then on I kind of worked stuff out on a piano, and um, and then yes, yeah, so I was learning the um, the guitar, and then um, the at the end of that term, the teacher was like asking everyone, okay, what do you want to do? You want to stay on guitar? Do you want to go back to piano? And she got to me and didn't even ask me, and just went, oh, Lindsay, obviously you'll go back to piano. Oh and, wow, okay. And I, because I was that was what I was doing, you yeah, know, and, okay. and it yeah, would yeah. make sense. And I was like, nah. Fuck that. Fuck that. Purely yeah. on principle, purely to be an argumentative freak. I'm to be say, the contrarian. Actually, yeah. Actually, yes, actually, no. I would like to uh, go to guitar now. And fully, that was it. And like I had a couple of lessons after school. And I remember the uh, English teacher, Miss McClintock, taught me a couple of, did, gave me a couple of lessons. But she also couldn't teach me. Um, with a sweet child of mine riff or she tried to but it wasn't right and she told me a few other weird things that I worked out weren't true because I could analyse the songs and work out how to play them. Not yeah. weren't true but she just didn't know. Like yeah. I was asking her because at the same time this is similar so I was into like Guns N' Roses but also into The Cure at the same time and I wanted yep. her to teach me how to play some songs off um, Wish I think and she started saying that they were in a weird tuning or even that there were strings missing or whatever and I, I went, no, I can play it like this. You don't know what you're talking about and so from the <laughs> From then on, I was like, I don't really need someone to teach me, like, to my own detriment, because I never learned proper technique. But I, from then on, just started learning stuff, and I did buy some of those five of the best, and you know, I bought yep. album books, I had Wolf Marshall tab and stuff. But from then on, I was like, I can kind of work this stuff out. All I need to do is listen to it and have a guitar or a piano in front of me, or even just not, maybe not back then, but now I can sort of hear a song and just see the notes in my head, in my stupid yeah, weird head. see where they land. I completely understand that. So I want to put a pin in your guitar playing, in the conversation of your guitar playing, which we which we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. But I've, yeah, I, that's yeah, that's one thing that I really really want to kind of not pick your brain too hard on. But we'll we'll get back to that. So have you got a song that kind of sums up, I guess, when music was more than just. The, yeah. You know, the fucking Cherry Ripe ad or whatever. I was trying to work out because there's two albums that I remember um, and I wasn't like I was – it was 1986 for I think both of them 
But um, one of the albums I was I was out on uh, on uh, at like a family group, which is another religious thing um, that um, that our families went to, and um, the album Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits was on, yeah, yep. and that was when uh, I kind of worked out like I, I remember hearing it and going okay so why is this this bit and then there's this bit and then there's this bit and stuff and um I didn't quite get it until uh John Farnham's Whispering Jack and then I right because that's so you know there is a verse there's an intro there's a verse there's a chorus there's a verse there's a middle section which is usually some sort of synth saxophone solo in the case yep. of Pressure Down the song that I'm choosing is Pressure Down because Good. It just – it's pretty obvious. It's fairly cliche. At least it's not The Voice, which is a fucking great song. But I – it taught – like that that era is the first concert I ever saw on television was my mum let me watch the Whispering Jack concert on television and I can remember so much about it. I can remember John Farnham calling people a mongrel. I can remember him doing <laughs> this weird little dance with his feet, his feet together, his dress shoes together. And, uh, and I thought he was – you know, this is absolute – absolute pop star icon this guy is obviously never he's always been famous this guy and I had no idea this was his one one more go at being famous before he gave up and went back to fucking selling fucking fruit and veg or whatever like I had no idea that John Farnham had been through all these different times but yeah yeah that whole album um, and there's some there's some dog tracks on it but there's some (laughs) but there's some gold on it and uh yeah it's just um everything about it and and also quite easy, a lot of it quite easy to play as well. I think maybe uh, I got a bit because I, I, I wasn't really, I, I was only like getting into music. I hadn't learned how to play anything. But, um, yeah, I, J- the John Farnham stuff made a lot more sense to me musically than just weirdo guitar stuff like on Brothers yeah. in Arms. But, <clears throat> yeah. Um, but yeah, th- those two, those two I, I can remember, I can remember sitting with my mum. We made pizza. We made um, ham and pineapple pizza um, and watched the um, Whispering Jack um, live concert and wow. he did like all these other cool songs. He did Help by, by – we did the, J- the Joe Cocker version of Help and um, and a bunch of other covers on it as well that were um, – yeah, that were, was rad.
it's still, I'm sure it's probably on YouTube. The yeah, whole yeah, Jack concert. Yeah, yeah, it'd definitely yeah, be there. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I think it was on Channel 9 because I even remember uh, there was like a behind-the-scenes special, John Farnham Whispering Jack, and I, and he was like riding a horse because so he, he comes from the country. Of course he did. Mm. Um, was, it, was it a big like, you know, you know, when I think of John Farnham playing live nowadays, I just think of something of the scale of like a – not live aid, but like a you know a big outdoor festival, mm. that kind of thing. Was it that, or was it like filmed at the entertainment center? Like, was I it- think it was the entertainment center. Yeah, okay. I'm pretty yeah, sure it was right. the entertainment center because I can I can what because you could see the audience. Yeah, you could see the audience in their tiered seating. Right. Um, okay. And because he was pointing, he was he was singling people out for not dancing and flipping them <laughs> off and calling them mongrels. Mongrels. <laughs> yeah. Which would have been a you know. A, a For an eight-year-old or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I was eight. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Good song. And an excellent intro tape if you ever need a good song to um, for your band to come out on. With uh, those shakers. John... Yeah, yes. <laughs> All of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Have friends who've done it before? Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, good, good. <laughs> it's great. And the best thing is, the best thing is it's in the songs in F sharp. So the top note's only F sharp generally unless you're doing the, the higher harmonies and when you go yeah. to get crazy. So not that high to sing. And um, we we tune half a step down. So all of the songs, in fact, every song we've ever re- re- recorded from San Susie onwards is recorded half a step down just as a little little tip so yep. when we play live you play a g you play a g chord but it sounds like an f sharp so i can play all the pressure down so we always play along to our intro tapes because we're fucking yes. weirdos <laughs> and and so um we just play it in g so it's easy to play easy to sing and you're playing a john farnham song before and, you play a bunch like of stupid frenzel songs one of the john farnham songs yeah Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's no, there's no point being cheesy. Like, no point hiding away from being cheesy. If you yeah. Fucking do it. Just fucking do it. Yeah. Come out. Get all, just blazing. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, all, all, all synth, synth saxophones blazing. That's fucking great. The um, the the sa- sax player that played with him used to live across the road from me, and I thought it was the most amazing concept. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That that a guy, like, what what does that guy do for work? Oh, he plays saxophone. For John Farnham, <laughs> fuck. It's like what? You know, is that you know, a job? Yeah, and and it probably wasn't that good. Like it was probably an okay job, but he probably also had to fucking play at the local RSL when John Farnham wasn't on. Oh tour. yeah, when he was on his downtime. Yeah, yeah. fully, yeah. fully. Or maybe <laughs> he was in the injectors as well. Who knows? Well, that's true. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. So, there's um, there's a couple of Lindsay, um, a couple of Lindsays associated with John Farnham. Lindsay Field was his bass player. I think there was a Lindsay Ray as well, and I got very excited that there were Lindsay. Oh no, Lindsay Ray is the drummer from um, Choir Boys, maybe. But yeah, li- when I ever heard my weird name in rock music, I was very excited. That's completely understandable. Mm. <laughs> That's fucking great. See, so you okay? So one thing that you kind of mentioned there, which I thought, I'd, which you know, to me is a, v- a very big part of Lindsay McDougall, and it's going to be a weird kind of reference point to start from. But you said you were making ham and pineapple pizzas with your mum. Yes. Were you, you, like, you're a very famous vegan, as weird as that kind of concept is? Yeah. (laughs) Like, like, um... People know that I'm a vegan generally. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, you know, you you obviously, like, you obviously wear that on your sleeve um, Mm. and on your shirts as well, you know, a lot of the time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes, So when when did you kind of, like, yeah, when did you kind of give up dairy? Um, Was it health? Was it ethical? Was it both? Like... There's um, – so I said that I uh, really, I'll properly re- realised that religion was a bit silly after I joined Friends or Rom, so after I turned 18. Right. At about the same time, 
I uh, when I joined Friends All Wrong. So Jason's been a vegetarian forever. Um, yep. Ben, who I was replacing, is uh, was is still vegan. Chris, our manager, is vegan, yep. uh, and heaps of people associated around the band were vegetarian or vegan. Basically, Jason said, "Veget, you have to go vegetarian, or you're not allowed in the band." Right. So that's that was like, and so to to contextualize that. I had my 18th birthday party two months before I joined Frenzel. I had my 18th birthday party at McDonald's. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm from the I'm from fucking Engadine. I don't. You I didn't did know it the one on the freeway. Yeah, yeah, the one yeah. the the Scott Morrison McDonald's. Yeah, I yep. probably shat myself before Scott Morrison. Before <laughs> so, this it. is 96. This is 96. So yep. I, if I shat myself there, I actually <laughs> threw up on on my first birthday was also at McDonald's. We're a good Shire family, and uh, my very first birthday, I did throw up and completely filled the tray with vomit. Good. So I, di- I didn't crap my dax, but I did uh, did vomit. But, um, yeah, so I had no idea about vegetarianism. I was um, – uh, when I went vegetarian, this girl that I dated very briefly in high school said to me – because she was vegetarian apparently when we were dating. I had no idea we only dated for a couple of weeks. But yep. um, I had dragged her to McDonald's to watch me eat a cheeseburger because I was oh, so, so uh, against her vegetarianism. So I was a real prick about it. Like not only – just unaware I was actively unvegetarian. Not that I remember. I imagine I was just doing it to be, you know, funny or cool or whatever. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, no, I had no idea. And it was only when I joined the band and then, um, you know, talked to people and was exposed to people who actually had a slightly different lifestyle because growing up in Engadine, uh, I, had, I, I had a friend named Jack who was Vietnamese. He was the only Asian person in our school yeah, <laughs> and I'm not saying, hey, cool, I I, I was mates with him. No, uh, he was the only Asian guy in our entire school. He also showed me the internet for the first time. So take that, racists. But um, <laughs> That's right. yeah, but like it was such a white place. There was no diversion. There was no open mindedness. There was nothing. I had I dyed my hair a little, a couple of strands of my hair uh, red after I got into Nirvana. Just a couple of strands. Turned back. Got, went, Went to school on the first day of term, had to go home and get it coloured out or I wasn't allowed back at school. Like there was no deviating from fucking average. The norm, yeah. Because like the Shire is, it's very oh, insular at the best yeah. of times. Fully. And then And then Ingerdine's this weird like Tasmania of the Shire. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not near the beach so there's no, yeah. there's no tourism. There's no people who come from other places to enjoy it. It's just families that live there. But I feel like there's a gap. Like once you kind of head south, mm, you, yeah. you head south, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, and here's Ingadine. Okay, <laughs> now you're out of Sydney. Like, yeah, well, yeah, because yeah. you leave because you Sutherland's a hub, and yep. uh, everyone comes everywhere from Sutherland. That's like a hub to get out to all the different places. And then you leave there, and then you hit Ingadine. And then you got Heathcote and Waterfall and stuff, and they've got their own levels of, of weirdness. But um, yeah, 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 no, Ingadine it was just so white and so straight and so like everything, you know, and, and um, so I had no idea that vegetarianism. So it was kind of nice to, yeah, it was very life-changing to meet people yeah. who thought differently and could actually make me think differently as well. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned Nirvana and having the red hair at high school, at mm. school. How does, like, it's a weird question to kind of ask because from someone who's five years younger or so, um, mm. Nirvana was just, the second I kind of cottoned onto alternative, well, you know, they, yeah, like music that wasn't really on the radio, it was Nirvana and then everything else. But, like, you being five years older, how did you kind of cotton mm. onto Nirvana? Like, were you an early adopter of sorts or, like, yeah. how did that kind of come about? Uh, and, the, and what other music were you listening to at the time? Yeah, I, I imagine that 
um, smells like. I don't know if you heard of the song "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Deep cut. Is that Deep the um? From, is that the one about the deodorant? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I believe so. You'd have to ask yeah. Kurt. You'd have to ask um, the guy from the Foo Fighters that looks like the old drummer. Right. Um, okay. I've got, I, uh, I've got his number. I've got his. Okay. I'll, I'll shoot him a message <laughs> after this. He. Um, no. I. I honestly, I think it was just watching the video clip for "Smells Like Teen Spirit" on whatever TV channel, whatever TV show was on at the time. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I. I don't remember any because I. It wasn't like a revelation for me. Any of that stuff. Like I wasn't. I don't think anything changed my life. Yeah. So much as just I started. I was just listening to whatever was on the radio and as. Or, or on television or whatever. So as Nirvana was played on television, I, I stopped listening to whatever I was listening to before then or I, I continued listening to it. I'd say In Excess would have been the big big band I loved before that at the end of the 90s, start of the, sorry, end of the 80s, start of the 90s, listening to Kick um, and I would get, uh, yeah, I'd say that. I remember I had the Max Q album which was Michael Hutchins' solo album which wasn't that's very got, good. That's got that – but that's got that one banger song um, – there's sometimes or there's way of the world. They're the two singles. That, um, Some, uh, uh, way of the world. The, the um, yeah. God all the bombs. Whether is the it's same. God or the bomb, oh, it's dude. just the same and it's only yeah, so it's fucking good. good. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of filler on that album. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine. I, yeah, it was the first album that I ever bought with like a, like actually went into a shop and bought, and I had to choose between that and a B52s album. They were the two things I was into. And I chose the Max Q album, and I think it, yeah, probably <laughs> the rest of it was a bit whatever. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, uh, but yeah, so would have gone from In Excess to then the television or the radio started playing Nirvana, and then with everything that came after it. And so it, I, I know, and this is getting into that sort of idea of your rebellion, your teen rebellion. And I, this is the, all the music I got into, which, but it probably wasn't so much rebellion as the exact opposite just listening to whatever in, what everyone else was listening doing. to Ex- yeah. except there was a lot of preppy people at my school that weren't into grunge and weren't into all the alternative rock they stayed very true to whatever was on before that like and, yeah. and obviously i was into guns and roses and metallica around but i think it was about the same time because it was as i got into my teens so um i don't know when the black album came out but then I we were 1991 yeah, so you, that, yeah. that's it. So that's when I was yeah, 12, 13 yeah. and so perfect timing and um, I, I feel though I did have smells um, – I did have um, uh, fucking Guns N' Roses. Um, <laughs> the, what's, the, what's the debut uh, – sorry, Joel. What's the, uh, the, the, uh, the debut album for Guns N' Roses with uh, Welcome to the Jungle and uh, – and, Appetite and, uh, for Destruction. Appetite for Destruction, yes. yes. <laughs> As a 42-year-old, I just forgot the name of that album. Wow, well, okay, I thought you were doing a bit, but there you no, go. No, you no, no, no bit. I just forgot it. I, I, um, I, I, I do remember listening to that tape coming back from a um, – from like a, a weird family thing uh, – so that would have been probably so there would have been some rock and roll prior to, to grunge. Anyway, sorry, that was just a weird tangent. Yep. But um uh yeah, but I do yeah. So I feel like all of the the stuff that I got into as re- rebellious music, certainly my parents hated it, but it certainly wasn't really that rebellious. It was yeah. actually a way of fitting in because at the time, and you think about it, I've just started learning guitar. I've told my teacher, fuck you, I'm playing guitar. Yep. Um I realised that playing guitar is a way to a uh, stop getting beaten up yes. um, for a couple of things. You, you're slightly cooler and you're not out in the playground at lunchtime. You're in the in the music yep. room. In the music room. And yep. 
And you've suddenly got these extra friends who are just other people who want to play in the band as well. So Dave Virgilio was a drummer. I got to hang out with him and play. He's such a fucking good drummer. Back That's amazing. That's It still yeah. blows my mind that you and Vidge played in a band together. I know. How good is it? Yeah. Well, it was like, yeah. And, and, and there, was, uh, there wasn't actually anyone else that was a particularly good musician, but everyone else had a damn good goal. Well, there were some like metal musicians, but I didn't play with them. Yep. And um, yeah, so all of this music wasn't so much rebellion as me just trying to fit in, which is pretty funny. But um, that's, yeah, there, but it was uh, a good way to twist my brain into different sort of, sort of, sorts of things. So there's Nirvana. Very, there was a few weird guitar tunings in Nirvana and, uh, yep. but not too much. And, um, and then there's stuff that's, you know, I got right into Soundgarden. I got right into Bad Motor Finger and then later on Super Unknown. But um, the really the weird stuff I loved just because it was so fucking weird but beautiful was Alice in Chains and yeah and so I um I was thinking about like all of the different songs and so this is if you just imagine I'm um whatever I'm like 14 maybe 15 and um I've bought like my first guitar and I've got um crappy so it's a crappy little it's a it's a fender copy it's a no-name fender copy looks like a strap but it doesn't sound like one and i've got this this amp that i don't think even had a name on it either (laughs) and uh but somehow i uh, you could and you could make it distorted i think the amp i imagine there was a button or something had the button yeah yeah had the button yeah yeah yeah. but um i got to do i I got to buy a fucking a wah pedal and so okay. that's all that mattered. All that mattered was I knew how to tune my guitar down to D and play through all of Sick, uh, or sorry, all of all of Dirt by Alice in Chains. Alice in Chains, yeah. And pulling <laughs> out the guitar, pulling out this scratchy sounding, um, uh, scra- scratchy shitty sounding um, uh, wah pedal, and just pr- think that I knew how to do how <laughs> to play, uh, you know, anything like um, Jerry Cantrell. But it was very. It was very fun to try, and my parents absolutely hated it. There was, um, <laughs> I can't, I can't think of any um, specific Alice in Chains. You know, there's a there's a great song by Soundgarden um, where he, um, where Chris Cornell sings, "You've got to, you've got to kill your mother." <laughs> And I used to sing that a lot. Um, <laughs> that would have gone down well. It was just not, not very. No one, no one enjoyed that. But yeah, just playing along to all of these. So I don't even know what. Um, I'd say, I'd say we, we should play "Dirt" by um, by Sandcar. by Alice in Chains. Uh, by Alice in Chains, yeah. Because because yeah. of that. my because the poor neighbours in Maruba Place, Engadine heard me play that so badly. That was the other good thing about Alice in Chains. It sounds real sophisticated, but a lot of the fucking riffs are so simple and they're all just based around, you know, either a pentatonic or a, um, you know, like a spooky scale like Dirt is. So you can yeah. just go, wah, 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 wah. it's easy to learn. Wah, 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 wah. So, yeah, yeah. Once, once you've got the very basics and understanding of it down, mm, the rest mm. just kind of falls into place. Fully. And it's, yeah. yeah. And and it, as long as you don't, yeah. I mean, the solos are fucking, you know, sick and really hard to play or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, fun to fun to have a go at, and uh, you know, and then you get to watch like the sing singles movie and pretend that you're living in Seattle and all that sort of shit. And <laughs> yeah. we, except we set without the actual hard life or the heroin. <laughs>
Gordy would enjoy that too. Gordy would enjoy me putting some Alison Chains in. Is he an Alison Chains fan? Oh my god, you should see us. You should you should see us at the at the odd uh, sound check or rehearsal. Oh, dude, <laughs> <laughs> pulling out. It's normally, in fact, we can even within maybe one beat of starting them bones, one of us, the other one will join in, or you get through one one uh, loop of the drums, and I'll know what he's playing because of the weird time signature. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking great. I'll keep an ear out for it next time. Hmm. Alrighty. So we've kind of, you've hit your kind of, your yeah. rocking stage and your alternative. My angst. Your angst My stage, angst. Yeah. yeah. I was surprised Paul Jam didn't get a mention because I'm sure we've talked yep. about you getting the um, alive stick figure tattoo. Oh, if I'd have got, if I'd have, okay, this is this would have been what my body would have looked like if I was allowed to get tattooed when I was fifteen. Yeah, I would have had the alive stick figure over my left uh, breast, left left chest, yep, um, part of my chest, right, or on my arm, maybe actually, yeah, I don't know. Um, my my uh, back would have been the bad motor finger, Soundgarden, um, that kind of crazy wheel thing, yep, and the yep. sun, the sun logo, the Alice in Chains sun logo would have been on my sternum, right in my fucking middle of my breastbone, because that was. The, <laughs> I was writing all of that shit, and I'm kind of a bit sad because I would won't get them now ever. But it would have been pretty, um, would have been good to have them just so I could say, "Hey, look, I got fucking '90s grunge tattoos." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like when it was happening. Mm. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I could have shot. We played when we played with, um, we played the Download Festival last year with Alice in Chains, and we were in the same like their dressing room was right next to ours in almost this separate compound that we somehow got lumped in with. Yep. So it was rad to talk to um, my, my, Mike Inez was fucking rad, the bass player. He was so cool. Jerry Cantrell was a little bit standoffish, but I think he's got lots I can to imagine. think about. Yeah. Um, but he did, he did like one of my, he pointed to one of my tattoos and he said, oh, cool tattoo. And it wasn't, it wasn't an Alice in Chains one. So that was pretty what cool. was it that he pointed out? It's a, it's a tattoo of, there's a, a British animator called Syriac. He does these real fucked up acid style animations of like there's one called Bar and it's basically a a sheep walking uh, along a path to this crazy music and then it, the sheep kind of stretches and doubles and another head pops out of it and then another head and then these legs pop out and it goes it's this crazy thing that just happens on the beat of this song it's fucked up you look up Syriac C Y R I A K and Bar B A A A and um, it, it's it's a crazy the sort of shit that you make people watch when they're on acid or whatever but um, I uh, I got a tattoo of it and he, and he he saw it and liked it did he recognize it for what it was or just went yeah i think right, so okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah i think he did yeah yeah so wow cool. yeah or he just wanted me to stop talking to him one or the other yeah yeah that's it's a good out like, mm. i like you okay now go away yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i've done this now we've done this we can go yes <laughs> so um you you're in you're in high school you're playing grunge that kind of thing any mm-hmm. bands like was there ever like was there ever? I mean, I know you said you were playing with Vidge, um, like at high school mm. and that kind of thing. But was actually playing in a band that was going to play outside of lunchtime or whatever? Was that ever on the cards? I played at something called the Station Street Festival in Engadine. Okay. I played with. Um, this is by the by this time this stage I was going to St Pat's High School, um, and our drummer was named Brett Colonay. And Dave Harker was our bass player and Russell Wilder was our other guitarist. Uh, I don't know if he was involved in this though. But we um, we played and we even hired Marshall amplifiers uh, and 
but I think we put the vocals through them because you couldn't hear the vocals through the shitty keyboard oh, amp okay. at school at Lentus. Yeah. But it was anyway. It was it was just doing um, Pearl Jam covers, and there's there are photos. I, I found or someone sent them to me a couple of years ago. It's um it's as embarrassing as it should be. Just did me the band have a sound. name? I don't think that one did. Okay. That one, I think that was yeah. I mean the the bands that started to have names. There would have been a band called Naked Eye. I imagine that seems like something that would happen. Okay. And Negla, oh, actually, before Naked Eye was Negla Delta. So the band with Russell Wilder was called Negla Delta. Um, and that was one that rehearsed at, um, at St. Pat's. Okay. But I don't remember anything about it except Pearl Jam covers. And um, Oh, we had Daniel Clark sung in that for a while. He had a good voice too. Yeah, so I was either whinging on trying to sound like Eddie Vedder and then also do all, doing all the guitar solos. Yeah. And... Um, or, yeah, Daniel Clark had a sing and it was good. I think we did some Temple of the Dog, that side project at yeah, Soundgarden yep. and some Eddie Vedder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. And I think he had a nice voice so he could do that. Yeah, you could pull it off. So yeah, your first proper, like, proper, proper band was Friends or Wrong? I was in a band that was called actually Naked Eye but then changed its name to Two Days Wrong and they formed at the University of Sydney uh, – sorry, University of New South Wales and that was my, my mate Stoltz from school from – um, from St Pat's, he was in this band with a bunch of people from University of New South Wales. This started pretty much, you know, when they started at uni in like January of '96, and I got asked to join. I was playing keyboards and guitar. We did play gigs. We played like two gigs. Played at the University of Wollongong, um, sorry, University of New South Wales um, band comp, okay, and maybe two others. But then I joined Friends All Wrong and I kind of wasn't really into it anyway. It was weird. We also did we did like covers of that band live. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was all very kind of, you know, that by that stage, by like 1996, alternative rock had become such a bloated fucking beast that all that, you know, you, you, I, I imagine Creed was probably around then as well. But yeah. yeah, live, it was just kind of bloated and annoying. So, but they, and, and, the, and the tea party, we kind of sounded a bit like the tea party, and I wasn't really into that. <laughs> Fair um, enough. So, yeah, so, no, I was in a band and they, and they were called Two Days Wrong and they were lovely guys and, and awesome, awesome players, awesome musicians, but um, it was, yeah, by that stage I wasn't really feeling it. But I also loved performing, so I loved so I would always do all the gigs or do the gigs. We did a lot of rehearsal, not a lot of gigs. Yeah. So, okay, so 96, mm. how, like, was, was, like, was that Epifat sound on your radar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. well... Obviously, before that, everyone got into Green Day and Offspring yep, because of they course. everyone did, I did. So that's that's what you listen to. And yep. and then I remember my mate Bill, who was mine and Dave Harker's friend, he lived just up the road from me, um, played us a No Effects album. And cool. when we and this is what kind of weird when we used to listen to records, we'd sit around with guitars and learn to play them and stuff. Yeah. So, so I remember learning um, Leave It Alone, or trying to the time signature at the start. Fuck me, but, um, yeah, and the key change and, yeah. and when it changes key halfway through, which is great. Brilliant. Good songwriting. What happened? Yeah. And um, the, um, the, yeah, I remember, so I remember that, um, but I never, I, I, that, around about that time, so probably what, 15, 16 then, we started, or 14, we started going to gigs as well, so all ages of course. gigs. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we'd go to Sutherland and watch, um, I remember seeing Spiderbait and UMI and... Tumbleweed, of course, and Nidacris, and uh, even I went and saw um, Frenzel Rom a bunch of times, but I hadn't really got into any of that stuff before. Actually, I was telling this story the other day because I, I did a thing on the ABC. Um, I had a, uh, 
I, we, there was a video shop that I used to go to all the time and uh, Mary, Mary Ellen was the woman behind the counter or the girl. She was like my age, maybe a bit older. And she was into all this cool music. So she would like lend me um, CDs and stuff. This is, you know, I just started getting into CDs. I had a, a five-disc CD changer and she would lend yep. me CDs. And um, she ended up selling these Frenzel CDs and I had heard of Frenzel but I didn't really know them. So I bought... Um, um, Coffee what? in the Storm. Before you go on, did she have like a distro or she was just like, I've heard this enough. Oh, no, no. She it. was personally selling them because okay. she needed money. Yep. <laughs> no, <laughs> she, yeah, no. This isn't some cool fucking, you know, uh, subsidiary of crass or something. Yeah. Canola. No, no. No, this is just Mary Ellen at the video shop. Need a couple of bucks. Sell, needed a couple of bucks. I don't know yep. what for. Uh, probably for um, uh, some fancy hair dye, which is it we all, or, you know, save up for some Doc Martens. Um, and uh, yeah, and so. I bought Coughing Up a Storm and Dick Sandwich off her and then I got into punk rock. That was me officially getting into Australian punk rock. Well, there you go. Yeah, so you um, you joined the band relatively young. Yeah, 18 like, and two months. Was it, you know, I'm not, I'm unaware of Frenzel's touring schedule or what touring was mm. like back in 96 kind of thing, but like was it hit the ground running or was yeah. like it was? Okay. Well, I I um I joined the band, so I got the, the gig on the night of the audition at Feedback, and like just they were all just drunk, and that's when Jason named me Dr. Lindemans because he didn't want anyone called Lindsay in the band and all that sort of thing. <laughs> yep. And uh, so Dr. Lindemans is my name, and it was then um, they had to go to on tour that next, so that was like I don't know what night that was of the week. It was a week night, but the next weekend they had to go on tour. So I think it was to Melbourne. But um, they, yes, yeah, so I. They were saying, "Yeah, look, we're going to go this. We're going to go this this weekend." And I'm going, "Oh my god, this is it's, it's all happening so fast. It's amazing." But then I didn't go to that Melbourne. Um, Bo right. Campbell from Front End Loader played that played those gigs, uh, as he was always booked to. And um, no, I just went the next week to. I, I actually remember weirdly going to see, um, fucking what was Nat's band? Um, quad box. Quad box. Yeah, yeah. I've conveniently blocked that out of my memory. <laughs> uh, went and saw him at Coyotes at Caring Bar. Yep, yeah, yeah. Probably like the next weekend or sometime during that week and um, was kind of – I imagine I might have been like big noting – maybe not big noting myself because I didn't tell many people because I was so fucking nervous about it and I wasn't yep. convinced. But I, but, but I just remember Nat getting really serious to me and saying, you just so you know, it's not a done deal. We've got to make sure you fit in the band, okay, and all this sort of stuff. And yeah. it was it was it was a fucking done deal. He was just trying to fucking throw his weight around because he was a twenty eight year old pretending to be an eighteen year old, and <laughs> and um, he never let anyone see his passport. But um, the yeah. So anyway, I, I'd started. I turned up to rehearsal, and um, yeah, we rehearsed. And then within a month, we went back down to Melbourne, and I did my first three shows. And then from then on, we then went to Brisbane, and then we started playing bigger shows. And by the end of end of the year, <laughs> we'd been to Japan. And then on my 19th birthday, we were in New Zealand. And then by halfway through 1997, we were on tour uh, in the US with Less and Jake and Blink 182, <laughs> and wow. and the band that and the band that, that I'm getting to next. But yeah, it was fucking insane. So, <laughs> it was like, and we and yeah. you joined and you joined just as they were releasing Not So Tough now. They just released Punch in the Face uh, yeah. to the point where I um, – actually, they'd released Parasite. It was the first single. Okay, right. And um, so Nat's in the video clip. Sorry, not Nat. What's going on? Ben. ben. Ben's in the video yeah. clip to that. And um, then Punch in the Face had been released to radio but they hadn't done the um, video clip yet. So I'm in the video clip to that and then also Disappointment, which was the yeah. single we released after that. But I didn't play on those. 
Yeah. So it was fully crazy. That was like punch in the face was the first thing that Triple J started playing properly. And yep. Triple J was, you know, pretty much national by that point. So you could suddenly start playing all over the major cities, at least of Australia, because you're getting played on Triple J. It was fucking rad. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so, yeah, that was when we, we didn't, we, we were mostly just doing Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane and, uh, you know, Newcastle and whatever. But Stops um, in between, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, suddenly there was that. And then we started going overseas because we had fucking, um, you know, people releasing music over in, I think I think Shock Records released stuff in New Zealand and someone released stuff in um, Japan and then yeah I guess we when we were in America we we got a booking agent I mean like a, a distro deal with some I don't, I don't remember how all that stuff happens I know that yeah. when we were on the the first warp tour in America is when we convinced Fat Records to properly sign us again after they'd put out the first um, seven inch uh, seven inch and stuff yeah and then kind of forgotten about us yeah right so what did they yeah. what was their what was your first like did they did they did Fat Distro an album or did they actually release something? I think they. I think I, I'm the wrong guy to ask about that stuff. All right. <laughs> I think, but I, I. Well, we toured on Meet the Family, but that wasn't out when the first time we went over there. It was yeah. not so tough, and the second time Meet the Family was out. Um, but yeah, I, I just I remember. Well, I know they put out Mares Not a Camel, but maybe they put out Meet the Family as well. I yeah. guess someone could fact check that for us. Yeah, but, I'm sure. Um, yeah. I'm sure but I'll get I, hit up. I, yeah. I just remember, um, yeah, like the the story about Jason and Fat Mike playing a game of pool and joking that if Jason wins, he'll release our album. That happened on on that um, warp tour, so that must have been Man's Not a Camel. Wow. And, um, yeah, and it and it was true. It happened. I mean, I think they were he was probably going to release it anyway, but Jason definitely beat him at pool. And um, yeah, it was fucking all that stuff was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it was that's just a, such a weird. That's a wild story. So playing in the in the pool, the pool at the bottom of the hill at the San Francisco bar that everyone always played back then. So that's yeah, that's fucking wild. So you said you, you know you went and did a big Less Than Jake and um, Blink One Eight Two tour. Yeah. Were you like with those bands on your radar? Because like in '97, they're not massive bands. Like, well, Blink became well, massive in '97, yeah. but like Blink became massive when we were on tour with them. <laughs> that oh wow, was the weird thing. So we start when we started Less Than Jake were headlining, and when they got to the West Coast, Blink One Eighty Two started headlining a lot, and the shows got very big. We, um, I knew um, M&M's. I knew how to, like, kind of knew how to play that slowly yep. as everyone thinks they know how to play it until they yeah. try and play it and they're like, oh, <laughs> fuck, that's fast. But, yeah, so I knew that song, um, which I guess was on a compilation um, maybe. I don't know if I – I think I probably had a Cheshire Cat EP. Less than Jake had knew, knew nothing about them at all. Yeah. And, um, and, but, yeah, we've been mates with those guys since then, since 97. Um, and that was – so we, we turned up to – Jacksonville, Florida. So they're from Gainesville. We turned up to Jacksonville, the first ever show in the Bible Belt of Florida, you know, yeah. full on. And that was when we found out that Americans, so many Americans believe in God, even like the the um, the, the punk rock ones. Written by that stage, I was too cool for God. But, it's, um, it's a weird, like it's a weird thing, like that, mm. when you come to that realisation, like I remember, again, not to be that guy, but like mm. I remember like when I was in, I was in Huntington Beach 2016 i think it was yeah and um and i was just going for a walk like we just landed and there was a guy holding a sign up like a you know giving giving a spiel or something and i just said mm. i don't i don't think you're right like i think <laughs> I, I don't think what you're saying is correct and i and i thought like you know i had the the, the crowd behind me and mm. then everyone kind of turned on me and i went oh no that's right yeah mm. it's still deeply ingrained in americans yeah. Like, it's like a when you vast find out, majority of Americans. Yeah. 
like Tom Tom Araya believes in you know he's a Christian yeah, now. He's Catholic, yeah. Catholic, Catholic, yeah, and and I remember when Blink One Eighty Two. I remember me and Jason made a whole big thing of it on Triple J when they started thanking God at like the Grammys, and it's like ah, oh, they're breaking through the stained glass ceiling. You got yeah. to, to get to a certain <laughs> stage of, of yep. fame in America. You got to start thanking God at the yep. award shows, and then everyone to, starts to bring the, that fan base in. Yeah, fully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's such a weird thing. But we we found out through when we were you know back at the hotel room with a bunch of people that we'd invited back for a party. Jason used to do this thing in all hotel rooms. You'd get the Bible, you'd either roll joints with the paper or you'd read read a passage uh, and then tear it out, chew it up, throw it at the wall and create little wall art with bits of uh, (laughs) chewed up Bible, which doesn't go down well in Florida, believe it or not. Jesus. (laughs) Almost. I mean, we did it it across the – we started the entire tour was in the Bible Belt. Started in Florida, went all the way across through – we played – Everywhere there. I remember all like Tallahassee, all of the Florida places and um, then across to – I remember Oklahoma. We, we st- remember tennis. We went to like – I think Nat had a drum hookup in in Nashville and, yeah, we played in um, Louisiana, in, in uh, Homer and Baton Rouge and all these places. Yeah. But, yeah, it was full. It was fucking crazy. But, um, the, yeah, the other the, – the cool thing about that was we, we met Les and Jake and they were wonderful but we also – the band that was uh, playing after us or we were kind of swapping head, uh, swapping opening was a oh, band called yeah. Discount. Okay. Yeah, of course. And Discount were fucking wonderful and they were – so we were a bunch of drunken idiots but we were also quite political-ish – and yep. we're all vegetarian. Well, we weren't all vegetarian. Nat pretended to be a vegan. I was vegan. Actually, maybe I was just vegetarian. And Jason was vegetarian. Um, and so we, um, we, this this band were all vegan. A couple of them drank. The other ones didn't. They sang about really important stuff, <clears> like you know. And it was just, and it was also, you know, the, probably being on tour with a woman who I think at the time was like 16, uh, Alison from, from Discount. Yep. They just, I just loved them. And they were also, <coughs> if you listen to the album The Taxi Is All Right Tonight, which is the album that's the, their first, well, the first record where she just writes all about her like abusive childhood and stuff, um, it's like it's emo essentially. It's like, it's like full-on emo and I'm not really even into emo but I just loved hearing all this really like full-on stuff that's kind of that – awesome mid-paced pop punk but singing about good stuff and yeah. um yeah and i loved it and just touring with them was fucking rad they were so much fun and then of course allison ends up being in the kills and then in the dead weather and you know being coming like a being like a superstar who like drinks vodka on stage and smokes cigarettes and like back then you were straight edge and vegan but anyway yeah, that's right <laughs> <laughs> so the yeah, dead weather's um jack white's band isn't it yeah 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 there yeah, you go she makes music. yeah so it's pretty crazy. Well, yeah, sorry, the, not the Jack White's band, but he's in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it kind of is. Yeah, him yeah. and Brendan Benson, um, and uh, and she, yeah, and back then she was this like fifteen-year-old um, sort of misanthrope who um, used to throw throw rocks at cop cars when they weren't looking, and fucking uh, you know hated the uh, you know used to yell about the you know the patriarchy and shit before that shit even existed. It's pretty yeah. cool. So I've um, have you got a song that kind of. Mm. It's Some called Mallory's Mission. It's Mallory's Mission and I fucking love it.
And I think the guitars are out of tune on it too. I think that's a lot of the guitars are out of tune on this album. That's a good sign of a of a good punk band. Like, you know. Fully. Not not get your intonation done and set up yeah, done before exactly. you record. Yeah. yeah it's always yeah. a good thing. Um okay, so I've always wondered, but I've always like but I'm interested to hear kind of your take on it. Mm. What and please don't think this is an insult because it's definitely not. But mm. like what do you think like you hear like I've listened to a million and one Fat Mike uh, interviews. Mm-hmm. And whenever Frenzel gets brought up, he's always like, I just can't, like Americans for some reason, don't get behind it. Behind like, Frenzel, yeah. Yeah, behind mm-hmm. Frenzel. But like in Australia, obviously, you know, you're our fucking, mm-hmm. you're our leader of the pack kind of thing. But what do you think it is about Frenzel that Americans just don't click with? Like, are you too... <laughs> Australian or like, you know, you've spent, you've had 20 something years to kind of figure it out or like, you know, get yeah. your head around it. Like what, what do you think? I, th- it- I think this, yeah, I think that the, 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 the issue or the, the, the simple answer is that we don't care enough about America and to say right. that to Americans, they don't fucking, they my what? That what? Can't, yeah. Can't comprehend it. <laughs> and yeah. that's not to say like we went, we went from 97 through to 2001, maybe we toured there pretty constantly. We did a lot of shows, a lot of tours. Um, and absolutely, we are a little too Australian for them. We swear too much in the wrong way. We drink too much. You know, when Americans, with the exception of, you know, your well-known abusers like Fat Mike and stuff, yeah. when Americans <laughs> when Americans drink, when Americans party, they don't really, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, Les and Jake would have one night if they had like, if they had a, a day off the next day, that would be the night, the night of reckless abandon they yep, call it. Okay. We, would do, we, we would just call that Tuesday. Yeah, That's like yeah, getting up, yeah. drinking, doing whatever you can find to stay up as long as you can, passing out in your um, in your tour van or in your cheap Motel 6 yep. and then wake up. Whereas these bands that are making more money than you and can afford to stay in better places would quite rightly not want to <laughs> – they'd want to be able to have a sleep, you know. Yeah. Until we – like bands like No Effects, of course, are different because they, they party a lot crazier. But back in those days we would party so much more and bands just fucking hated us. When we were on tour with Real Big Fish they fucking hated us for good reason. We would just <laughs> drink all of their beer. Their tour manager was just at wit's end trying to stop us from stealing their rider and they'd try and do things like – he got. there's a guy named Ricky was their tour manager – Hey, uh, I've been talking to the guys and they said, you know, uh, when we leave, uh, you can have anything that we haven't had. You can have it. You can have. (laughs) And we're just like, well, why don't we just come here first? Like we always come here first because we're not fucking hanging in our hotel. We're at the fucking gig. We'll take everything. So there's nothing for you to leave for us. How about that? Yeah. You don't need anything now. Yeah. (laughs) Why do you keep coming into their dressing room? When we're on tour, the dressing room is like our home. Would you, would you, would you come into our home? We're like, what are you fucking talking about? Wow. You fucking, this is, and it's not, not in the band. Although the band did communicate through the tour manager because they didn't want to talk to us. But then again, yeah. the band also communicated with each other through the tour manager. You know, that's oh, why good. there's only like that's two guys of, left in that band now. That's <laughs> a sign of a healthy relationship. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Says the band that shedded more members than most. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's um, it's yeah, it was, we 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 didn't play any play the games. We didn't. I mean, it's actually weird because Grinspoon did really well. They were on the same warp tours as us, and they did really well over there. Not yep. not living in well, but they did well. But I remember they were very much like Phil used to give the audience a fucking hard time, call them yeah. pilgrims and shit. But then also sometimes he'd just have an American accent because he just didn't want them to get all weird about the Australian thing. <laughs> it was kind of weird. Yeah, I don't know. right. Okay. <coughs> but um. 
or maybe he was just doing it for for a gag. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. it's um, I, I, yeah, I I think because we're like just just really just annoyingly Australian, like not cool Australian. We're not crocodile <laughs> yeah. Dundee, you yeah. know. But also, after a while, we just realised it wasn't worth it because we weren't getting like the the last. Good, like we did a tour by ourselves with this band called Phoenix TX, yep. and it was kind of all right. It kind of sucked a little bit. It was at the end of the nineties. It was like our third or fourth tour for nineteen ninety nine. Um, we'd done, yeah, we we'd already done the Warp tour, and maybe oh yeah, the All has that the year the tour with All. I don't know. And then we the Australian Warp tour with All. You mean? No, no, we done it. This is an American Warp tour. Oh, okay, right, right. We did, we, so we did like ninety eight, ninety nine in America as well. The Warp tours there. That's yep. right. We'd done. We'd gone home in the middle of it, come back, finished it off, then done this other tour with Phoenix TX down the bottom of America, and then up to Canada with Chicks Dig It, and it was fine. But it was just fucking. By that stage, we were just like, do we care? Do we care about this? Like, surely we could just sit at home and not spend money, and 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 not like we realized that what we were getting out of it. Like, you know, we weren't going to be – we really like – for at least Jason and me, we realised that we just didn't really care about what – like we weren't going to get to a stage. We weren't suddenly going to become so fucking rich we could afford to, you know, sleep on a bed every night. It yeah. wasn't going to happen. So it didn't matter. We were sleeping in the Des- Descendants ref- um, converted refrigerator truck with um, very bad suspension and no bathroom and Jason literally had to tie fucking – Oki straps around him so he could piss out the back door in the middle of the highway as we were driving Jesus. along at fucking 100 kilometres an hour. So, yeah, <laughs> it was it, – it just became not, you know, not conducive with life really. Yeah. I mean, it was a bit – we did – the next time we toured there was with No Effects and the Mad Caddies and that was also similarly not conducive to life but that was just because we were – well, the ones that – Jason wasn't drinking then but the ones that were, me and Gordy, were just fucking drinking too much. Yeah. A bit, yeah, to the detriment, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, there's no real answer. We could have, we could have tried a bit harder. We could have, um, you know, uh, t- we 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 haven't really toured there at all since we did one show when we were over there recording Sansusi, and um, we did one show in Canada last year, and that's it. So when you, just you don't. so when you go do like when you record at the Blasting Room, mm. there's it's just in record out. Mm. Yeah, yeah, we do a couple of uh, karaoke nights. The, um, <laughs> okay, the Surfside Seven. That's about it. That's fucking. Sing a bit wild. of Steely Dan. Yeah, it's just. I mean, we're 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 going back to um to Europe this year. We, if if, if the it all, tours yeah. happen, yeah. we're doing one show. We're going. We're flying to Austria. I flying saw to, that. To Vels, yeah. Vels, which is outside of Linz, which is in the middle of fucking nowhere. Playing one festival and then flying home again. Because, as as Chris, our manager, said, every show we do after that, because of the way money is at the moment, especially with the Australian dollar. Every um, show we do, the more shows we do, the more money we'll lose. So we may as well just – he goes, if you want to go there, just go and then stay for a bit as a holiday. <laughs> and that's kind of our thing. It's like we don't – we have a really nice time hanging out together playing music. We, we don't need to fucking do this slog. We don't need to slog anymore, you know. It's just – we just enjoy the bits that we do and you don't want to do it so much that it becomes a job. Yeah, and I think you've – like – there's a few bands that can kind of that can kind of do that, and I think you guys have mastered it really well. Where you when you do it, you do it, and then when you mm. don't, it's you know it's not going away anytime soon. But yeah, like you don't Which have to weird. kind of win win a win a fan base back or whatever. It's, all, it's weird that it's not going away, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's weird <laughs> it's, that people still look, seem to give a fuck. I fucking love it because I like I know you know 
you guys will take a break and then you'll come back and the shows will mm. be incredible and then you'll go away again and yeah, rinse repeat. Yeah. It's pretty weird. It's and like we to, to be like we honestly don't rehearse. Like we don't we we rehearse when we write songs. We we are in a studio together, but th- that's the only time we're in a studio together. Uh, when you know when we get new members, obviously we rehearse. And yep. when when Gordy breaks a fucking limb, yes, we have to get Kai in or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But apart from that, it's just yeah. We it's just, like we just kind of it's it's weird. It's a weird like it's sort of cheesy to say, but we're just in this weird sync thing that we're just fine. We know, and we just do it because we like it. And we you know we we we're still like you know we're. We're just this weird machine that <laughs> just gets cranked up every now and again and it doesn't matter. You know. Just throw the, the engine just kicks over and off you go. Exactly, so, yeah. So what I was going to kind of – what I said before about putting a pin in your guitar playing, mm. one thing that I've always thought was really unique to Frenzel – I mean, there's a lot of things that are unique about Frenzel, don't get me wrong, but like one thing that always stood out to me was – your guitar playing, in my opinion, for a lot of it, you know, for a lot of it isn't just the standard chord progressions, the standard chords. It's it's like you've you've made your you've you've got your own distinct style that to this day I still can't put my finger on how you how you got there or what your references are. Like, mm. does do do you think that or do you just think you just play guitar like everybody else? No, well, I mean, when it comes to the the weird chord progressions, that's normally down to Jason just writing fucking great. The, all the ones that the good chord progressions are generally him, right? Okay, uh, fair all enough. All the really obvious, all, all the obvious ones, or the ones that sound like fucking pirate sh- shanties, they're mine, right? Okay, but, um, fair enough. With it, mostly, mostly, but no, I think, and it, it comes down to the fact that I am essentially just a fucking copycat of okay. everything, and it's because the way the weird weird way that my brain works, where I can listen to a song and just. I'm like the, um, you know, like a fucking clockmaker. I'll analyze it. That's in my brain. I'm going to work out how that. I'm going to pull it apart, work out how it all goes together, put it back together again. And so everything's just in there. And so when I want to do stuff that's, you know, like make a guitar part sound interesting or whatever, it's not like, you know, I'm not. I I, I will never think, okay, that doesn't sound punk rock enough, or that doesn't sound like. I mean, I Jason will <laughs> if I'm doing stuff in order to go. Can you just make it more rah, 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 instead of fucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so twiddly diddly yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't want, don't want to make it too twiddly diddly diddly a lot of the time as well. Well, sometimes I do, but yeah, there's like, but there's just so much other stuff that I listen to that that I'll put into it that's got, um, you know, like a, y- y- there's there's so many great bands that are, that play punk rock, rock music that sometimes you played a little four bar break of all of these different bits you'd be like i'm not quite sure if it's that band or that band because they kind of do a similar thing they play those their own very individual songs in a similar way because they've got a different sort because they all kind of come from that same school of this bit goes fast then this is chugga chugga and then there's this and then you know and that's all fucking rad but uh, yeah i think just because we all listen to so much different sorts of music i mean and i'm sure every band would say the same thing but it just comes out differently in the way that we do things and I was like like I think I, I find a lot of my kind of more just off the cuff bits of guitar and stuff come more from weird country music vibes like okay. just knowing like moving between chords like country music people move between chords I don't know I think because I, I uh, just because not I don't really listen to a lot of country music but it's just if you can play it's kind of like this is a 
I'm going to try and get there in my head. The way ACDC, if you can play it simple, that's how they do it. Like yep. whenever you see a, an ACDC song being played, if anyone's playing a chord slightly more difficultly, then they're playing it wrong. It's always yeah. whenever, the guy, whenever the guy from Rockwiz would play Back in Black. He'd play it up on the fi- on the seventh fret, and then yeah, he'd do yeah. a little inversion on the A. And I'm like, that's fucking wrong. It's back yep. in black. It's ACDC. They play an E chord, then a D chord, then an A chord, yeah. and then they the, fucking spiddly yeah. all over it. It's, that's how yeah. it is. And so it's similar to, to to with yeah, like I like I will always try and make it sound like it's something that's really fucking natural, even if it's a weird chord. I'll try and find a way to make it sound, make it easy. And country music seems to have have that, like. It's all like you know, with country music, a lot of the time they'll just fucking put a capo on or whatever. But it's just, I'll yeah. just try and do it so it's somewhere natural and it's fucking cool. But that's that's one part of it. But then also, I listen to metal. So after that, I'm gonna fucking zoom up to the fucking 14th fret and go, yeah, it's just it's, yeah, yeah. And just, just for that, just that one bit. So it might be like a bit, and, and it's it, it's just a weird bastardization of everything that I steal from constantly. So you'll have. A, uh, a a little third inversion, standard, you know, your propaganda style or whatever third yep. inversion. Then I'll move it down to a nice little um, uh, B minor with a. You know, I'll take off the I'll take off the minor third because that's how it does in country music. And then I'll, then I'll just zoom up to the F sharp up the top and just go wow wow wow, and then back to the G because all of those things just you know they're all in my head and because of the weird way that I because I learned music on piano first and so I can see where the chords go I can see where the notes are and I can work out where they are on the guitar then I can generally make the the sounds happen it's not like um it's not technique it's not technique it's just I kind of know where those things are and I can get to them you know not all the time and not by the end of the gig but at the start of the gig I can generally get to the bits <laughs> yeah. where I want to go and the same and when with writing when we're writing songs and Jason is you know kind of you know he knows how to either let me go or reel me in with stuff as well and so you just do i know how to do yeah like i know like it's almost like yeah you, you, you know you give me that box i'm going to fill that fucking box up but if you make it a smaller box i'm still going to fill that box yeah, up and it's still going to be fun yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yep, that makes sense and yeah and i'm happy to do i'm happy to work with whatever box you want to give me that's fucking that's yeah. a fucking incredible response because like again it's i've always just i've listened to your parts you know obviously ever since uh meet the family Mm. I've just gone. Oh my god, they're pretty shit. Those parts. but but like I just listen to it and go, that doesn't make sense. Like, why mm. are you doing that? But like then it's that. But all of a sudden it's the mm. it's that Frenzel guitar sound. Like yeah yeah, uh, yeah so yeah it's just it was a little thing. That it's funny playing the um the meet the family stuff because that is an eighteen year old or maybe a nineteen year old whatever playing guitar on his first album and and you know none of it was doubled so you know you've got the riff on one side and the chords on the other side of your head or whatever and it's really weird but yep. it is but it's funny me here like hearing me work out some of those songs that we that just kind of they're um they're, they're like just hilarious little guitar parts that were very they were very that, that was probably me trying to be my most standard punk rock but also not having the skills to do it so making it sound weird okay. as well at the same yeah time. right it worked yeah so this is, I guess, the kind of the big question mark part of the um, the podcast where yeah. some people, you know, have had a big gap between when they were kind of 21 and that kind of thing and some people's gap is rather small. Some people have done a lot of things and some people haven't done a whole lot. Fill us in as quickly or as, you know, as in-depth or as, you know, whatever you want to talk about that kind of encapsulates the last few years of you, like mm. what you've been up to and all that kind of shit. Like obviously everybody, a lot of people would know you as the doctor from triple j um there's got to be like i'm assuming there's more to it than just a triple j employee and a friends are wrong guitarist what else do you get up to well 
it's it's mostly music based. Yeah. <laughs> when I when I left Triple, so it was actually quite. So joining Triple J at the first place was cool because it sort of pried my genre blinkers open a lot and started listening to a lot of mu- a lot more music. And so I left Triple J and. Uh, not immediately, but pretty soon after, got to play lots of other stuff, and that was the whole idea. I wanted to play guitar. I wanted to play guitar as much as possible, and yep. um, we were going to record that year, but um, Gordy broke his arm, so we didn't. So I kind of had all this spare time, and so I got to do things like I played a Leonard Cohen tribute show with this my friend Michelangelo, and got to play all this crazy fucking music. But before, like I should say, before that actually, and I and I was doing sort of acoustic stuff and whatever, and that was great playing Oz Rock, yep. love all that stuff. You know, we love the covers. Everyone loves the covers, but um. I that's then Briggs, who I'd been interviewing various times at Triple J, called me yep. up and said he wanted a guitarist to play on his solo stuff when he did it live. And I, I, I had never, like, I hadn't played really in another band besides covers bands, yeah. um, at all besides Frenzel. And so Briggs got me to do stuff, and we did Meredith Festival, and uh, we had a drummer and a bass player, and then Katie Baker was this amazing backing singer. and. Then I um, I got to sing with Katie Baker. She goes. She was doing solo gigs. So I played like that's like bluesy R and B kind of stuff with her, either with a band or just me acoustic and her singing along, which was fucking rad. And then she lives in Darwin with uh, with James, with her partner. So I went to Darwin and I was doing some stuff in Darwin. I went out to Arnhem Land and um, played with this desert rock band called Narbalek who live in Manmoy, which is a five-hour drive east of Darwin. So wow. I got, basically got to play this amazing kind of reggae-tinged rock and roll with all these cool solos where the, the, me and the other guitarists, he would just like look at me if I had to do the solo and stuff. Yeah. It's fucking rad. And then we Was, came back and opened Did you ever Darwin record Festival. anything with those guys? Uh, no, nah, not actually record. We did like a ABC thing. Okay. I, I was doing this TV show for the ABC, so I was like, oh, you guys should come and film this too. So I working out ways to actually make a living out of all of this stuff when I wasn't um, working uh, yeah. for radio. And then I was doing – yeah, so I started becoming this little gun for hire and that's when I you know, did the Leonard Cohen show and was doing lots of other kind of things like that. And Frenzel, you know, obviously then did um, Pet Food Factory and yep. – um, not Pet Food Factory, sorry, um, High Vis High Tea because I was in Darwin when High Vis High Tea got released. We, me and my wife were doing this drive around ah, Australia. Oh, right, okay. So that was it was cool. I think, yeah, so um, it's, most of the shit I do around is is music-based yeah. or, or vaguely animal-based. I mean, we, we fostered nine separate greyhounds over uh, about three-year period yep. um, just in, in our house and that was fucking rad. But... Um, and my wife has a couple of horses. Horses were very cheap in the last couple of years because of the drought. People were getting rid of them, you know. And if, yeah. you, didn't, if you didn't buy them, then they probably weren't going to make it past the fucking tin, the, the pet food factory, you know, yeah. in our recording studio. So, yeah, it was um, – yeah, so so we did that. But, yeah, um, yeah. so, I, yeah, what I'm saying is I get to – I got to use – and this is – I mean, Katie, who's singing in Briggs' band, Katie, and I play with her as well, when she – heard me playing in, in Briggs' stuff and I, I was playing guitar. I had a guitar synth pick up on my um, guitar so I yep. could play like okay. keyboard sounds and shit. Yeah, and I yeah. Was, I, was trig- I had loops going so I could play, a, I could trigger a loop or, or, you know, set a loop up and then play over the top of that so I could do, I was doing proper hip-hop style guitaring. Yeah. And and she was like, man, you're fucking wasted in Frenzel. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> listen, listen to Frenzel. Frenzel's really hard. Everyone just thinks Frenzel's fucking three chord, never had so much fun, fuck off, have a yep, bong. Yeah, yeah, But um, Frenzel's like really quite, well, not all of it, but a lot of it's quite, you know, technical as we were talking about. And, or not technical, but involved. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, so yeah, so I got to do all this stuff and, and got to play all the different styles of music that I was kind of playing anyway in Frenzel, but, you know, properly. So I got to play all this crazy 
um, yeah, blues and R&B and hip-hop music and um, weird other sort of stuff and folky stuff. And, and now with um, working here in Wollongong at the ABC, I get to sort of do lots of silly music stuff here as well, whether it just be weird. I did a cover of the um, World Today theme song the other day where okay. I just do metal, <laughs> like metal harmony version of it, harmony power metal version of it. But, yeah, so I guess I get to do heaps of this fucking stuff and it's, it's rad because, because A, Frenzel isn't um, – on some ridiculous fucking routine where we have to play all the time some ridiculous touring schedule. Yeah. We only play when we want to and Jason's got fucking two other rad bands going and Gordy's doing lots of other musical things and Dale's obviously very busy – well, not very busy, but he does lots of other music things. So none of us need it. None of us need yeah. Friends or Rom, you know. To scratch but, that uh, itch. Mm. Yeah. So it's – yeah, it's so much fucking fun. So the other weird question I've got is – and it's, it's probably it's not a weird question, it's not the right thing, but a, a th- question that I'd like, really like your take on – I think that um, that pet food factory and high viz high tea were two of the best things Frenzel's ever released, and you've been a band for twenty <laughs> something, like you know, many, many, many years. Do you like? Do do you feel the responses are just as big as what they were in the late late nineties, early two thousands? Why do you think people connected with those last two albums? Considering that, like, you can look at a lot of other bands who release albums, it's like, yeah, cool, well, you're releasing an album so we can watch you play stuff off <laughs> your first album kind of thing. Like, it, I mean, that's a whole – that's a massive question. So pick it apart as much as you need to. Yeah. Well, there's, there's – I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of different sorts of bands of our age. There's bands like Grinspoon who don't release new stuff and still get to do it. And they, yeah. and they do it – they do it as much as us, as us if not more. Yeah. But obviously they were heaps bigger. Uh, and then there's bands, you know, that release stuff all the time and you release new stuff all the time. And <coughs> I don't know. I think we – we like I definitely I would agree that Hive is and and Pet Food Factory are are the best and they sound they definitely sound the best because fucking Bill's a, a magician but yeah. then again San Susi sounds fucking good for what it is but I think at that stage I don't know we were just we were just a little too I don't know a little too maybe a bit too pop I don't know was it I, okay. don't, I don't know I feel like uh, there's there's some, like whenever I go to like you know introduce people to older songs of ours, I always go to that to that album because there's some fucking killer shit on it, like everything from Russell Crowe's band or Bucket Bong or White yep. World. And um, he actually – and fucking Greyhound as well. I think this – yeah, I think the sound the sound of it doesn't quite do it justice. I think okay. that's probably it. It's um, – even though Eddie Ashworth was fucking such a great um, producer, he was probably a little too, um, uh, too into doing what we wanted. <laughs> Okay, so, as opposed to know. just kind of grabbing it by the like grabbing grabbing the ball by the horns and yeah, yeah, yeah being yeah, a yeah, producer, exactly. yeah, yeah, making yeah, like yeah, he probably let us let us decide, but anyhow, there's like weird double tracked acoustic guitars in the middle of um fucking is that White World? I don't know. There's things that should have just been you know, and by the time we get around to Pet Food Factory, it's I think it's too far in the other direction. It's just too um fucking brutal for the whole album. And then okay. Hive is slips, slips nicely in this because there's, there's a bit of breathing room in Hive is. Yeah. Because, yeah, by the t- <laughs> I think you get a bit tired by the end of Pet Food Factory and it goes for like 24 minutes. But, um, yeah, but working with Bill and Jason at the Blasting Room is just the fucking best. <laughs> it's just the fucking best fun. Yeah. And it's, I, I'm annoyed that when we do record there again, I'll probably have a job so I won't be able to stay as long as I want to because I stayed the whole time last time. It was the best. Yeah, right. And it was, yeah, it's just so good watching them work and it's, I know it's probably, you know, it's just just making people jealous. <laughs> it's so much fun there. And it makes it, and it's so weird. Like we got so weirded out by them 
when they were like telling us that, you know, they do this thing where they, they tempo map your demos. Make sure your demos are right because that's what we'll base it on. They tempo map your demos and then um, Gordy will play drums over the, the, the tempo mapped demo and then as soon as that's ready, then the bass will go down and then once the bass will go down, the guitar goes down and then we're flinging, there's two rooms happening at once and it's all like, we're just like, come on, man, we just finished doing um, uh, Forever Malcolm Young where we're yep. all in the same room. We're just, come on, man, can't we just all do it in the same room? And he goes... They're like, well, if you want to sit in the same room and wait for you to all to get it fucking right, and if, you, if your drummer does one wrong note or your guitar is slightly out of tune, you got to do it again. But I think it's more punk rock to do it as quickly as possible <laughs> so you save money. Okay. And I'm like, yeah. you know what? It's pretty pretty much fucking right. And it is. It's yeah. all about – it's like fucking, um, you know, uh, We Jam Econo, fucking yes. you know, Firehose, Mike Watt stuff. It's just like do it as quickly as possible. Get it right. Get it yep. right before you go in the studio. Don't waste my fucking time. This is how we do it. And so you can you, you can – Waste time getting those riffs so fucking tight, and they'll they'll wrap your fingers over the um, over the knuckles like when I was learning piano. So you yep. could get your riffs in fucking time. So there's no one fucking having to, uh, you know, fix up your mistakes in post. In post, that, yeah, you know, because mm. that's when it kind of loses it. You can hear it. You can hear yeah. it anyway. You, yeah. But yeah. um, the uh, yeah. So I think I think that probably wasn't really the question. That's probably no, no, no. Why, the question was so large that I just <laughs> wanted you to kind of riff on the idea. Yeah. yeah. But I think yeah, and and I but there's definitely so I would say a good large percentage of our crowd come to hear um, never had so much fun and and because I always go back the next day and I um and I put our um like I, I put up the Instagram stories so of people who filmed us and put us up on Instagram. Yep. I'll go and regram their stories yep. and ninety percent of them. Uh, never had so much fun and punch in the face. And I was like, come on, guys, we fucking played, you know, we, we, we played fucking, um, you know, um, we would do something that we haven't done in ages, like all my friends have mental problems, or, you know, occasionally we'll, we'll do, oh, we really got that fucking bit in um, some other song, right? I can't remember any of our songs now, of course. But, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. we did like shelving stacks. We got shelving stacks right. I remember we sang it right. Oh, no one filmed it because they were too busy wait saving their camera to film fucking never had so much fun. For, yeah, waiting for the. the or that yeah. bass intro in um, Punch in the Face. Yeah, in Punch yeah. in the Face, exactly, yeah. <laughs> right. But, I mean, and that's that's cool. Like, I mean, that's it's, it's awesome. And But, yeah, definitely it is still rad seeing so many people sing along to the Pet Food songs and the High Viz songs. And also people that, I mean, you know, no offence to Friends or Rum fans, but it doesn't show, you know, it sort of shows you kind of taste if you're a Friends or Rum fan. But seeing people who get just love our new stuff and sing along to it, it's like pretty fucking cool. That um and they're and they're people and they're people that we know are into actual good bands as well, which is kind of nice as well as us. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. And I think like we because we aren't a band that like I reckon if we were still trying to fucking live off the band, it would be so depressing us trying to constantly fill crowds, and we would then see that you know we're not selling as many records as as, as in the nineties or whatever. But of course we're not because the fucking people that buy records and that go on that, that go to go to bands are completely different now i mean there's kind of a weird 90s resurgence now where the people that were going to see us in the 90s their kids have now grown up enough for them to leave home you know for, for them to get out and see gigs again so this yeah is right 90s okay resurgence. yeah which you know maybe we kind of are picking up that as well and so that's why we get to do those gigs like the hotter than hell tour and stuff but um and the spring-loaded festivals they're going to be fun if they happen but um the um the yeah, so I think there's that, but I think also like we could also just play when we like some of my favorite gigs are the like when we played at Marifield Bowling Club and it was just like this fucking ramshackle rock and roll show. It was awesome, yeah. awesome times, you know. And we get to do that whether we're playing at the Crowbar in Brisbane or Sydney as well, and they're just fun rock and roll shows that 
Uh, I mean, when we launched Highbiz and played at the Metro, that was also fucking fun, you know. And that's kind of uh, they're also highlights. But it's just like I, f- I feel like we, yeah, it's kind of like that whole thing is I'll, f- I'll f- give me the box and I'll fill it. It's like with friends all the time. We just we're happy just to fit exactly where we want to go, and we don't want to we don't want to do it until we realize that we're not filling that box up anymore. And the box doesn't matter how what size the box is, we can't fill it. That's you can't fill it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 mate. Yes. Um, first off. Thank you so much for giving me your time. It's fuck. Mm-hmm. It's been fucking incredible. Um, is there again, like I said before at the start, is there mm-hmm. anything else that we kind of I didn't touch on that you kind of want to speak on, or you, and that you don't have to. Like, you, yeah, please I don't think, think you have to. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of any. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've definitely no. talked more about my weird guitar style than I have before. That's pretty fun. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, no, no. I think that that's that's probably it. I reckon. Sick. So again. Thank you so much. Um, mm-hmm. Let's fucking let's go out with a song. What sums right. up Lindsay McDougall in 2020? <laughs> sums me up. That's so. That's uh, this is so much to me, man. Now I'm just gonna put a, put a Briggs song on because I'm fucking stoked that I get to do this. And this song and this is this is I just realised because I picked this um, like last week. Yep. Uh, it's it's children. The children came back by Briggs, and this is sweet cross promo because he's just released a a book based on his lyrics to this. So this is a song that's um, a, a reply song to Archie Roach's They Took the Children Away, which is a fucking heartbreaking song about the stolen generation. Yeah. And um, so Briggs wrote this song with Archie's blessing and Archie's uh, done stuff with Briggs since and it's fucking rad and I get to play guitar on it and it's awesome. And um, this isn't the song with Gurumal on it, but I think Gurumal played it um, on the Like A Version when he did it uh, at Triple J. I, I get to play Gurumal guitar parts too, which is just the fucking best. But this song's just fucking rad. It makes you cry. It's just um, uh, awesome song, and also the guitar is really fucking simple and great to did, play on. Did you record the guitar? No, or you no, just I'm not play- any of, no, no, no. Right, okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I played at the like. If you want to, yeah, you just have to go online. I played at the at State of Origin. That's me. That's me playing guitar with yep, Briggs. That's yeah. pretty fucking cool. Playing in front of fifty thousand people at State of Origin, and also yeah. I wrote because a lot of the parts when I play with Briggs. I'm either playing the guitar parts that exist and like you know replaying them, or I'm inventing them because the song don't have any. Guitar Doesn't have on it them, there. So yeah, yeah. Yep. So there's these cool parts that I added to um, uh, "Life Is Incredible," and um, there's this other song called "Here," this footy anthem that he did that I got to sort of invent a guitar part on. But this one I just play along, and it's um, yeah, it's fucking um, yeah, it's great. It's just like a really simple part, and it's just. It's just lovely and you just get a little bit of reverb going, that reverb that gives you the upper octave harmonies and um, and it's just – and you just play it and then everyone is clapping at the end and um, it's, yeah, like as in clapping along to it and crying and it's fucking rad. Anyway, Briggs's, uh, Briggs's new book, um, which uh, if you if – you, if you, like it's based on this song – is called Our Home, Our Heartbeat. There you go. And um, this is the song there. Look, I even got some promo in. This is Children Came Back and it's fucking rad. Man, 
that far inside of me. I'm Adam Goods and Adam should be applauded when he stands up. You can look to us from that time stop. I'm Patty Mills with the last shot. I'm good. I'm March. I'm everything that you ask. I'm everything that you copy. I'm the dead hearts. Hoppy. I'm good. I'm March. I'm good. I'm March. I'm good. I'm March. I'm Jimmy Little with a royal telephone. I'm the world champion, 68. Boy, I'm Lionel Rose. I'm William Cooper. I take a stand when no one even knows. I'm the walker. I'm the sounder. The children coming home. Boy, I'm grooming. I'm marching. I'm everything that you ask. I'm everything that you count. I'm the dead heart. Hot. I'm good. I'm marching. I'm good. I'm marching. I'm good. Everybody loves me, ain't none below, ain't none above me on the carving out of every sky. We on those flats, that bit about you now, Mr. Adam. Think about it. me and you, we feel the same. And it might sound strange, but I'm just saying, we both unsettled when the boats came. I'm cool, I'm much, I'm everything that you watch, I'm everything that you come. I'm the dead heart, heartbeat. Cool. Thanks for checking it out. Hope you have a good one, and uh, we'll see you in a fortnight. Rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows Everybody knows that the boat is leaking Everybody knows the captain lied Everybody got this broken feeling Like their father or their dog just died Everybody talking 
into their pockets Everybody wants a box of chocolates And a long stem rose Everybody knows Everybody knows that you love me, baby Everybody knows that you really do Everybody knows you've been discreet But there were so many people you just had to meet Without your clothes And everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it goes
Let it go.